hundreds of pages, thousands of words, millions of letters. Welcome to the Kanja Book Club. The price of admission? Fifty thousand. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Conja Book Club, a weekly TV podcast where we intentionally experience Star Wars books together with our incredible community. I'm one of your hosts, Timothy Guthrie, and I'm joined this week by Adam Dyson. How you doing, man? Good. Pretty tired. It was daylight savings kicked over in Australia today, and it completely caught me by surprise, like it always does. I never learned my lesson. <laughs> First Sunday every October, Adam. Sort it out. <laughs> but I always forget. And that... That was crazy when you when you sent me the message and you're like a daylight savings. I was like, no, that's still a month away here. What, what are you talking about? You are crazy. That, that's all right. This, that's an hour on the Xbox. I didn't have this morning. Those precious, precious, uh, precious moments cannot be wasted. Exactly. So. Cool. We we are a man down today. Patrick is not going to be able to join us. He is at a wedding, if I'm not mistaken. So a friend of his or family member or something like that is getting married. So he will not be with us. But Adam and I get to open up Dark Disciple. We're super excited about that. It looks like we've got some friends, some new ones, some old ones. Brea and uh, Meg and Scott are here. Scott, it's good to see you back in here again. Joxy is back tremendously. Welcome, dude. So glad to have you back. I feel like this is going to be a fantastic book to get into. Glad to have some people to talk about it with. Thank you all for joining us. Adam, is there anything happening in Discord that the people need to know about? Uh, Just a small update, I guess. We created a Star Wars Squadron channel just to allow... Star Wars gaming to breathe a little bit in general, and I think it's really taken off. If you guys need to look for some EA accounts, EA IDs, a few of the, a few of the family are dropping them in there, including myself. Yeah, that's really about it. Pretty pretty quiet on the Discord front. Awesome. Yeah, and we talked about Squadrons a little bit before we officially kicked off. Super exciting game. I'm loving it so far. Um, it's very different, and I am an absolute terrible mess. And I have not jumped into multiplayer yet because I will die thousands and thousands of times before I do anything good. (laughs) Yeah. So, nope. Hone my skills a bit. I realized I was pretty bad at fighter to fighter. And that's why I hate Starfighter mode on Battlefront 2. Like, real hate. So I just just jump into TIE Bomber and try and get as much damage on the capital ship to make myself feel better. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. I just just know that once I get into it, I'm just going to be the, what is it, the U-Wing that's just going to hang back and just kind of supply everyone it's like guys you don't you don't need me in there it's, i'm just gonna cause a problem but if you need if you need anything just just phone me over i'll, I'll be there in a second <laughs> i see i so, thought about that that's, that's too cool. much pressure too much pressure i was getting the tie bomber <laughs> i fl- fly straight for the capital ship don't have to worry about anything else <laughs> yeah that's good that's good well i don't think we really have much on the patreon front um we did uh, have a couple of updates um that we released to some of our higher tiers our Alliance High Command um, and our Jedi High Council um, both had some things come out in the last couple of days. Like if you want to submit questions for the Living Force Roundtables, and that was something that we offer for our Alliance High Command. Um, And so they got an opportunity to put forth some stuff there because our Thrawn Ascendancy Roundtable is coming up. um, I guess if you're on Patreon and you're listening to this on Tuesday, it happened last night live. So that's super exciting. Uh, Really pumped to get into that. Nothing else really big on the Patreon front, though, except for 
the patrons, our lovely, wonderful patrons, voted on the November book for Conjure Book Club. Adam, do you want to know what it is? I'm very excited about it. What is it? <laughs> it's Kenobi. I am three and oh, baby. <laughs> All right. Does this one really count? Wasn't it Todd? Did yes. the people pick this one? <laughs> no. No. My name was next to it. It's mine. <laughs> so. Formal protest. No, we, we... <laughs> it is noted. It is noted. I'm gonna get I'm gonna get Jared to help me uh for December's book. I'm I'm gonna find the most obscure, random, no one's ever heard of it legends book, and that's gonna be my pick. And if it wins, then I might just quit the show and go out on top. You know? <laughs> I don't know. We'll, <laughs> we'll see what happens. <laughs> Interesting to, um, to hear what he comes up with. Yes. Yes. He doesn't know that I'm going to ask him, but I am going to. So very much looking forward to that. <laughs> well, no, but we will be reading Kenobi in November. I have not read that one yet, so very much excited to get into it. But we're not here to talk about Kenobi. We are here to talk about Dark Disciple. Adam, have you read this one before? Yeah, I did. I have read it once, or actually I listened to the audiobook once, but it was a little while ago, so it was, it was great to get back into it. Yeah, do you remember liking it the first time you read it? I did. I like. I love any kind of Clone Wars storytelling, and this just fell straight into that bracket. Really a big fan of Quinlan Voss, big fan of Asar's Ventress, so it was great to get a story about the two, and, and particularly how the story went. Cool. Well, a couple of uh, just details about the book, really. Um, it came out July 7th, 2015. So this would have been one of the first ones uh, when, you know, canon kind of changed over, which is cool. It's written by Christy Golden. Um, she also wrote the Fate of the Jedi books. Those are Legends books with Aaron Alston and Troy Denning, uh, books that I have not touched yet, but I've heard good things. She also wrote Battlefront 2 Inferno Squadron, or Inferno Squad, and The Bucket, which is one of the short stories from from a certain point of view. Both, I loved Battlefront 2 Inferno Squad. That was probably one of my favorites. And then everything in Face Pop was good. But I, I did go back and, and look at look at hers again. And I was like, yeah, she's, she's good. And she needs to write more Star Wars. So I hope we get her on the docket for more things soon. Um, and the audiobook narration is done by Mark Thompson. Are you doing this one through audiobook again, Adam? Yeah, I am. Most, most of my reading is done, well, is done through listening. Big fan of audiobooks and Mark Thompson in particular. Yeah, and the Living Force guys just had him on, and that was a really cool interview. Yeah, I'm. I, I always try to try to read and listen, um, just so I can pick up any nuances, um, you know, that I might miss or anything like that. But it's really good. Um, it is set kind of towards the end of the Clone Wars, uh, 19 BBY, um, and this is actually part of the Clone Wars Legacy uh, Multimedia Initiative. Did you know this was a thing, Adam? <laughs> <laughs> I, I did. I have heard some rumblings about it. Yeah. Yeah, so this was kind of made up, for those of you that don't know, Dark Disciple was initially supposed to be based on, uh, or it is based on episodes that were never released for the Clone Wars. So they had scripts made up, but they had never transitioned into doing the, the final thing. And then with the Clone Wars getting canceled and everything that happened there, they came out with this multimedia initiative to go, this story still counts, this story still matters, and we want to get it out in some way, shape, or form. And so it, it was made up of, originally, the Bad Batch episode reels, um, which eventually got released into this last season of The Clone Wars, which was awesome. And they had some, some slight changes from then to now. It also had the Darth Maul Son of Dathomir comic, which was a phenomenal read. Did you catch that one? 
I did. It was great. And um, really something you should read as well um, before jumping into season seven of The Clone Wars, I think. Yeah, there there were one or one or two references I think to this particular comic story, which was um, really cool to see there. But yeah, it, it kind of finishes out Savage Press's role, and there's the all kinds of craziness happens there. But they were like, this stuff matters so much. Uh, there's actually a quote I found from Dave Filoni specifically about Dark Disciple. He said, you know, Ventress had become one of the most interesting characters. And we had all of this material, we had all of these designs, um, and this is just based on scripts that we had written with George Lucas, um, and he was super excited to get it out. Um, so I think that's cool that this mm. is kind of like a final final send off. Um, you know, we had George's blessing, I guess, to get this story out there um, as one of the first of the new canon. So it was cool to get some of that continuation. Definitely. Um, and Utini loves it. The staff loves it. The community seems to love it. Um, it's got an 8.7 um, on our site, which is awesome. And I don't know who wrote this. I'm going to assume it may have been Meg or Heather. I don't know. Uh, but they rated it very good and said, whoever says the dark side and assassinations aren't romantic obviously <laughs> hasn't read this book. <laughs> and that is so, so true. Any Anything you want to add before we jump straight into it? No, I'm ready to go. Well, let's do it. We're going to get into the summary now. Pretty much from this point forward, everything's going to be spoilers, so bear with us on this. If you haven't read the book, plan to do so soon. Continue at your own risk. In the throes of the Clone Wars, uh, the Separatist Alliance continues to ravage worlds and slaughter innocents. Uh, a refugee ship is the most recent casualty carrying a brave family of the Moran species. The Jedi were too late to save them. Count Dooku is responsible for the destruction, though he blames the Jedi, and it forces the Council to examine new ways to bring the war to the end, mainly through assassination. Led by Mace Windu's suggestion, Kenobi tracks down one of the Jedi's best undercover agents, Quinlan Voss, to team up with an unlike unlikely and unsuspecting foe, Asajj Ventress, to bring down Dooku. As they work together, stories are shared, tension is built, and skills are strengthened. I can't think of a better way to describe this first set of chapters is just fun to me. Like I had a blast um, listening and reading to this set of chapters. Adam, what did you think about this opening? Yeah, I thought it was a lot of fun as well. Once you get past chapter one, of course, chapter one was a bit heart wrenching. Yes. But, but to see Quinlan and Asajj running around playing bounty hunter, it was, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. It's just kind of like uh, some of the best, thriller movies i've seen um you know i thought back to like jason Bourne, uh you know full of car chases and um, a little bit of intrigue a little bit of flirting and more car chases <laughs> that's kind of what i got from this with the star wars flair that we all know and love there's a quote from katie lucas that opened the book up that i wanted to share here because i thought it was really cool and it hit me in a in a particular way last night when i, I went back and found it but it's you know, at its core, uh, Dark Disciples is a story of redemption, a story of how people can be unbelievably broken and yet find a way to rebuild despite the odds. Um, all of us are given chances time and time again to transform our lives, and it is our responsibility to seize those opportunities before they disappear. And we definitely get a little bit of that, you know, looking at Asajj and um, looking at Quinlan, you know, trying to piece together lives that they are kind of responsible for but not really right like they all like they have these histories there's a really cool moment in the middle of the book uh, of the section that we read where they're you know like everyone's got a story and Quinlan's like well yeah but I don't I did stuff but I don't know that I I don't know I didn't have much agency in that 
And, you know, Asajj was the same way, right? She's had all these crazy things happen to her. She's led, you know, seven or eight different lives and she's never really had much agency for herself. She's never made, you know, choices on her own. And that's cool to, that we're already getting to see how that can kind of shape up in this first set of sections. So I guess we'll jump in. Chapter one, you know, we saw the Ashu family and um, they are a Moran species. You know, they're in hiding on the ship, a refugee ship. Naya is the oldest. She wants to go out fighting. She doesn't want to cower in fear um, and just die doing nothing. She wants to use that stinger of hers to kill someone and knowing that it's also going to bring her own life out. Um, the Clone Wars have come to their planet. They're innocents and Count Dooku just does not care. Um, the Jedi were too late in getting there to make any difference. And Dooku says that every death is at the hands of the Jedi as long as they resist the Separatists. You know, this was very interesting to see, you know, coming off of reading Revenge of the Sith a couple months ago, that by even fighting, you know, the war, the, the Jedi lost. Like, it was always going to be a losing battle for them. What did you think, you know, reading this opening and getting to see, you know, Dooku kind of levy these, this accusation? Yeah, what did you think about that? I thought it was very calculated that he would throw this at the feet of the Jedi instead of the Republic itself. Especially that we know that the Hollow did go out probably publicly. At least the Jedi saw it. It kind of brings their morale yeah. down. Like, what do we do at this point? Like, we have to fight, but we shouldn't. And now the Moran species is paying for... Like many are now paying for our decisions. So, yeah, I thought it was a very calculated decision on the part of Count Dooku. Yeah, and we do see that, yeah, the, the Council is patched into this. And it brings a lot of dissension in them, uh, right? Like uh, Mace decides, yeah, the way to end this is to assassinate him. It's about time. Like, we just need to kill Dooku and we need to figure out how to get that done. And Kenobi's like, you got to be kidding me, right? Like, there's no way we're doing, we're doing this. <laughs> and Yoda is completely grieved. He's like, it's ridiculous that we even have to get to this point to think about this. Anakin doesn't help anything, right? Like, he's like, yeah, I agree with Mace. Let's kill somebody. <laughs> and getting to see the council, I thought it was kind of neat. You know, we, we get several other names, you know, of the council members that are there. But I thought it was really neat that we got to see their individuality kind of show in their response to this. Um, like, everyone has a, a different opinion, a different say. Um, and so while the council as a whole, you know, and while that, that ends up being a bad thing, so they can never agree on anything. Um, I thought it was really cool that we got to see this. What did you think, Adam? Yeah, I think that, and I think this is just a, one of the reasons why I think I prefer, I prefer this story in book form, I think. We mm -hmm. get so much more in a book, um, the inner monologues, etc., than perhaps we would have got if this was to be animated into an arc of the Clone Wars. And I think the Jedi Council meeting is is one of those one of those points to support this coming out as a book. I did like Anakin and Mace probably agreeing for the, like, once ever. <laughs> and it had that. <laughs> right. And it was, you know, kind of breaking the Jedi Code and assassinating an individual. Um, so that it was very interesting, chapter one. Yeah, getting to see Anakin just in the, the page that he was on, he was just totally Anakin there. <laughs> Uh, like this just this just makes sense and chapter two was chapter two was a little bit odd as well it was a little bit shorter of a chapter you know we open up 
and there's this Korobar merchant and his name's Sheb Valad, and he's you know trying to sell this artifact. Um, and there's this guy who claims his name is Master Tal, and he's of the Kiffin species, and he's trying to make a buy. And I don't know, I, I felt kind of weird, like, we don't know who this person is. This doesn't seem like anything makes sense to me the first time I read it. And even reading back, I was like, what is happening mm-hmm. here? And we learned that Tal is Force-sensitive, and he has a psychometry, which, for those of you that have played Jedi Fallen Order, Cal. Uh, he has that as well. Cal and Tal. How convenient. <laughs> um, I, I thought that was really cool. I don't feel like we've seen much psychometry, um, at least that I have read or seen or whatever. What did you think about this introduction to it here? I mean, being back 2015, way before we got Fallen Order. Any, anything about that jump out to you? I think it's like a great little force ability, and it's great to see it in storytelling. And I thought that this chapter really showed us who Quinlan was as well and what he does yeah. for the Jedi. He's not just out on the front line. He's, he's in the, in the seedy underbelly of the galaxy. And I also, I haven't read it, but I think psychometry pops up in force collector, the main character. Okay. Yes. Does, yes, it does. Has the ability. I think that's yeah, the whole story. Is, yep. Yeah. It's, it's the driving point of that. Um, and he wants to, the, the main character there, I don't, I don't think this is a massive spoiler or anything like that, but he wants to try to piece together what the Jedi were like, you know, what the, the force abilities were like. And so he touches different artifacts throughout Star Wars history, and we get to kind of relive scenes from the movies based on things that he's touched. Mm. Uh, really cool little book. Uh, yeah, yeah, I haven't, I haven't read that one yet, but yeah, I thought it, I thought it popped up there. So yeah, what do you, what do you think about the the Jedi having a whole undercover splinter <laughs> splinter group out in the universe? Did that strike you as odd? I think Quinlan being in the underbelly, finding black market traders, knocking down slave rings, all these kind of things. I think it's that's more Jedi than you know fighting in a clone war. And then he'll get pulled out of this to go assassinate someone, which is against the code 100%. <laughs> right. <laughs> so actually, I look at Quinlan doing these doing these types of tasks. And for me, I, th- I think that's a bit, that's more Jedi than being a general on a Venator class. Huh. Well done, sir. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's, uh, like, you've, like you've, you look at like... broken my brain. <laughs> so you look at peace negotiation and democracy as being you know, the number one and then... But this is, if they were to get their hands dirty, like something like this more so. Yeah. It would yeah. be this way where it's a little it's a little more controlled. There aren't any real stakes. and Like he's not yeah. going in there to kill him. He's going in there to arrest him, do the right thing. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. That's how, that's, that's, that's how I thought about it. it. It does make me think, you know, if, if these kind of operations are happening, right, they clearly weren't happening everywhere all the time and it just makes me think you know if that's a big enough deal or if the jedi have the capacity to do this you know where was their i guess where was their line i guess on where it would stop right like you know we've read stories about how you know they didn't do anything about slavery out in the outer rim and things like that it's i don't know it just kind of makes me think huh if they're doing this they probably could have done some bigger things but just decided not to because government i don't know but that i guess ultimately leads to their downfall so it makes sense yeah 
Well, chapter three, we learn that Tao is Quinlan Voss. He grew up in the temple his whole life, even younger than most Padawans uh, typically do. He feels like coming home. He, you know, he's gone for long periods of the time. You know, he's like usually nine months to a year. He's out and about doing his thing. But every time he comes back, it's like he's the big man on campus. Everybody knows him. Everybody loves him. He's high-fiving people, you know, down the hallway. <laughs> like, <laughs> that that kind of picture is what I got of him. Mm. He and Kenobi are close. Um, you know, their last mission was pursuing Zero the Hut. Um, I thought that was neat since we got to see a lot of Zero in the Clone Wars, and that was a whole racket. Kenobi tells him that, uh, you know, the Council, mainly Mace, uh, wants Voss to assassinate Dooku. Um, it takes him a little by surprise. Um, like, oh, we're considering this? Okay. Uh, okay, yeah, fine. <laughs> um, and then they want him to go undercover. They want him to take a partner. And the only person it was, um, the only person that they think could help him is Ventress, um, which is wild to think about. Like mm. once the Jedi have committed to assassinating someone, they're going to go <laughs> to the most like seedy, sketchy person that they could get to do it. Um, and that jump was pretty quick. <laughs> that slippery slope, I guess. Just you know, like they lubed up with butter or something and just took off down the slip and slide. Yeah. Um. So Ventress is a failed Sith, they say, and they want them to join up and achieve what she couldn't do alone because she's tried to ki- to kill Dooku several times um she's always been a very embattled character but she can't know that the jedi are involved because if she knows the jedi are involved then that's going to blow everything up that would get them completely cut off from the republic i would imagine Um, and that would just be a giant mess so Voss is going to have to gain her trust kenobi uh, kind of lets lets slide that she's a striking woman and she flirts often and Voss is like you flirt with her? What? <laughs> and Kenobi's like, no, I banter with her. <laughs> I banter with her often. And it recalled, you know, some of my favorite episodes from the Clone Wars. And yeah, Ventress was always that kind of sly, that sneaky, fun, you know, I'm trying to kill you, but also we can have a little bit of fun with it at the same time. And this this book, basically from this point forward, like this, I'm glad this was a book. Because I don't think they could have put like half the things that were in here in a children's television show, <laughs> you know, but I, I, I thought that was interesting. You know, what did you think about Kenobi and Voss's, you know, conversations here and, you know, setting this whole plane into motion? It definitely remind the banter definitely reminded me of some of the early Clone Wars where Ventress was a real highlight and the duel and the duels with, you know, mostly with Obi-Wan and the flirtatious banter was a lot of fun to, to watch. But you're right. I think <laughs> a lot of this, a lot of this, you know, throw it in a book, young adult book, um, adult novel, you know, put it to the audience that can really understand it a little bit more. <laughs> yeah. But you're right. Like Voss did even, even took Voss aback where we, I look at Quinlan as someone willing to kind of bend the rules a little bit, but even he has to kind of take a, a deep breath and take a step back and go, are we really doing this? But then I think his Jedi conditioning kicks in. He's like, yes, yes, Jedi Council, I will do what you say. Even though I clearly think it's probably right. not the best idea. I, Quinlan Voss, don't think this is a good idea, but I'll do it. 
<laughs> yeah. Um, but it was, again, just another tick in the box for Obi-Wan where Obi-Wan just comes forward as just, you know, one of those Jedi everyone looks to as the dependable, one of the greatest Jedi in storytelling where he, he knows it's wrong. He tries to kind of be the middle ground, but he again, he still just kind of goes with it in his own way. Right. He chapter four, um, you know, we're on level 13, 13, of course, not, and we figure out exactly how he typically does these things. <laughs> um, he goes straight for the bar. Yeah. Grabs himself a drink and we, we get to meet some some characters that we've loved from the Clone Wars. Um, you know, Bosk is there. We get Boba. And I thought that was really neat that we get to see that happen. And for Voss, you know, like we were just talking about to not really want to do it, but then to settle in and be like, yeah, this is my order. All right, let's let's get into the swing of things of how we typically do this. I thought it was really cool to get kind of the seedy underbelly of Coruscant and then to get this conversation between Voss and Bosk trying to figure out. Voss is trying to figure out the best way, right, to get Ventress's attention. Um, because this whole thing is supposed to happen organically with her not supposed her supposed to kind of remain in the dark right about the jedi not being involved so how is this going to work he decides the best thing to do is to go through the bounty hunters um so we get to meet you know some of those characters again um boba's pretty flippant um he hates the woman and yeah because she totally messed with them there towards the end of the series and really pissed them off. And so they find out that she is heading to Pantora, or that's where Voss is going to go. It's where Asajj currently is. She's pursuing a bounty. And then I thought it was interesting that they refer to her as the bald Banshee. I loved that. And then we learned that her ship is named the Banshee. And I was like, this is great. She's just running with it like a total, total beast that she is. So they head there. Oh my gosh, sorry. I'm distracted by the image that Joxie just put in the chat. <laughs> Darkly dancing Quinlan Voss and Asajj Ventress in honor of Dirty Dancing. And that's completely going to wreck my train of thought for the rest of the show. Thank you. <laughs> Beautiful work. Beautiful work. So yeah, heading to Pantora where Asajj is pursuing a bounty. And then we get to see Asajj. Um, she's in the capital city. She's seeking her prey. Um, she remembers, you know, the Night Sisters. She remembers Dooku, you know, destroying them all and, you know, very much betraying her time and time again. Um, she's pursuing this Volpi named Moragai. He tries to run away. And there's this, you know, one of the many chase scenes that we get in this, you know, set of chapters. And Voss tackles him. And that's where we're like, okay, this happened pretty quick. Voss is immediately going to jump on her prey and try to steal it and then just start teasing her. Like, what? You couldn't do it yourself? And I I loved I loved the banter between the two of them. Like, Quinlan is a, a definite master at this, right? Like he is a professional. Yeah. Um and with the with the insight from Kenobi that you know, she likes to uh, be toyed with, you know, she, it gets her strength up, right? Like her frustration, it kind of builds in her that dark side. And, you know, she, she likes the, I guess the lingering of the fight, right? She likes the build. Chapter five, we get, you know, Ventress is obviously heated that Voss tackles her bounty. Voss gets very forward with her. He notices how attractive she is. All of this is going on. And um, 
She knows that Morgai is somewhere close because he eventually escapes from Quinlan's kind of grasp. And she takes notice of how attractive Voss is. And this is the part of the book where I was like, oh, this is unlike any Star Wars I've ever read. And I've never intentionally sought out any kind of romance novel on my own. Um, And I was like, this is going places. (laughs) This is interesting. And another chase happens. Voss starts to push the idea of working together. And Ventress is just like, this dude is frustrating the (laughs) hell out of me. I need a drink. (laughs) And I loved it. You know, the first two chapters there with all of this, you know, chasing and, uh, you know, going after more a guy, kind of the opening setup of this. You know, what are your thoughts on on how this is already being set up? It was a lot of fun. Once we get past the the heartbreak at the start and the Jedi Council doing annoying things, we move into the fun of the book. And the whole chase was just, it was a great read. The, the banter was funny. Yeah. Just Asaz's contempt for Voss was probably the funniest <laughs> bit for me, which is pure annoyance. Not really. Yeah. <laughs> Anger, just, just straight up. Oh. <laughs> Here we go. Yeah, like, like he is he is a child kind of kind yeah. of annoyance, it's right? Like, like the old <laughs> all right champ. <laughs> right, right. Oh yeah, I, I really enjoyed it, and this is where it really picked up. Like just a lot of fun, really quick paced, especially as you said. Quinlan goes straight from the bar. Boom, tackling Morrigai. Here we go. We're getting straight into it now. Um, yeah, really, really, really a lot of fun. The the 180, yeah, of the, the first two chapters, you know, being that kind of drag and being the political stuff to then we're just immediately in it. And it feels it feels like like this is where we've been the whole time. Yeah. Right. Because it's so it's so different and it's so easy and fun to, to ride with. You know, these chapters are some of the most smooth, I feel like, in terms of I'm just in this reading pleasure mode, right? Of like, this is all so great, I just can't put it down kind of thing. Yeah. I and thought, I guess the... the I, go ahead. I was, I was going to say, I really thought, um, like, chapter one for us on the outside really does kind of give you a reason to, you know, kind of lean towards taking Dooku out. Um, mm-hmm. You know, but he... You know, he attacked the Moran for the sheer fact of ta- attacking them. Uh, you see a young Morani basically get killed as you read, and you, your anger builds. You're like, yep, get rid of him. And then it goes into the, the, the second chapter where the decision is made, and then you've got three and four where you're kind of going, eh, now I'm a little bit eh, about that decision. Like, not the maybe not the decision itself, but who's carrying out <laughs> the decision? Right. Well, I'm sure the clones yeah. got some special forces just bulk that you know do something. Um, but then, yeah, then it leads into just some standard Clone Wars fun. So I, th- I thought Christy Golden did a really good job of kind of building building the story up. Yeah, she nailed it. And at at this point too, like Mark Thompson's narration is just incredible. Mm. Um, all all the different voices that he does um, are so believable and, and and very true to to the characters. His Obi Wan is fantastic. And his his mace was a little off to me, but you know, outside of that, like like he just he does a phenomenal job of making each character seem so distinct, I think. Yeah. Usually I it's sometimes it can be a bit of a struggle to hear a male 
narrator do a female yes. voice. Sometimes they they're not really good at it. I do prefer um, someone like January Lavoie. Um, I do, mm-hmm. do lean towards more of the female narrators. But I thought I think Asajj's voice kind of it was good. Mark did a great job doing Asajj. I think her deeper raspy voice kind of right. can be done on the male side. So I think he was able to carry her into the story, and it's important that 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 he could do her voice in the audiobook like that because naturally she's going to be in <laughs> yeah, one of the main the characters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So he did a, a great job. Yeah. I think he nailed it with, with her kind of raspiness. Mm. Um, and he's, he's got a very smooth buttery voice. Um, but to be able to, to slip into that, which, you know, Asajj kind of has like, it's gruff, but it's kind of like, uh, kind of cat-like that's mm. her whole kind of persona right yeah um that slippery cat and that was um i don't know that he, he did a great job yeah chapter six we get into voss explaining that he's very much himself like he is in his element um except for the flirting the the heavy petting is a little bit much for him and he's like yeah ventress is noticeably attractive she's got these icy eyes uh he goes and finds her at the bar because she went for the drink. Obi-Wan calls him mid-conversation. And when he returns, kind of he realizes, like, I've got to do something to uh, seal the deal. Like, I've, I've got to figure this out. Um, and he realizes that at this point, to force the, hey, we can be partners, we can do this together kind of thing, it's going to take her to take a minute to calculate him, right? To size him up in entirety. And he can't you know, reveal any of, of the force. He can't, you know, give her any indication that he's Jedi or anything like that. And so he's got to feel comfortable in his own skin as he is. Um, and I thought that was a really cool scene to, to figure out how he does this. And, and you really get to understand that he is in his element, truly that, you know, he is very much all about this undercover fitting into a persona, but he's also very much his own person in this, um, which is cool. Um, they shake hands. This is going to be a thing. And then uh, Voss touches the artifact that Ventress ended up picking off uh, more guy when he was tackled at one point in time or another. And he uses his psychometry to locate where he might be. You know, he sees these two Rodians. He sees the curtains on the wall. He sees the windows. And I thought that was really cool, the way that we were able to read. Like, I could see everything that was happening. And I kind of felt like, oh, yeah, this psychometry thing is is real. It's a, it's a great thing to take a look at. And then Ventress decides to join him in in the pursuit. Like, they're going to do this thing. And she's like, fine, I'll follow you. You know, tell me where to go. Chapter 7, they show up to this place. And they realize that Morgai's just trying to save his family. He had a bounty on him because he's been embezzling. And that's a whole thing. He ends up escaping again. They capture him. The The whole chase, the chasing scenes with Morgai, the fact that he's trying to save his family, the embezzlement... Um, anything jump out at you regarding Moragai and that whole his little his little arc that that he had there? I definitely felt bad for the for the guy, and it would have been I don't I think we could have had a little bit more of Quinlan. Like we got a little bit of his feelings about the whole thing. I just mm-hmm. when I first read it, I, the whole time I was just waiting for Quinlan to kind of do something on the sly, and Moragai gets away for good, uh, but. Just didn't happen. <laughs> so I was, yeah. I was like, oh. oh. 
I was kind of rooting for Moragai, especially when after the psychometry scene and we see his mm-hmm. his partner and his adopted child. It was a bit... Uh, poor guy. Yeah. Well, and it, it's another another view of the, the normal people in the galaxy, right? Like we're used to seeing the, the heroes and the villains, but there's just a guy who's trying to feed his family. And some of the things that that makes you do... Like you are, you are going to do whatever it takes to make sure that the people that are nearest to you are taken care of, right? So that's another, and to see Voss's, yeah, humanity there in that was was good to see. Yeah, the like in the real world, the wealth gap in the Star Wars galaxy is just gigantic, and you know, yeah, the embezzling would have been credits that that crime syndicate could have just left not even noticed, but they had to do something about it just for the sake of having to do something about it and keep face. So Morrigan, right. yeah, I really did feel sorry for the guy. And really for Quinlan too, who probably really wanted to just let this guy go. Yeah. Which he basically kind of did, but he just couldn't do it. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. The, his, his wrestling with how much can I, can I still be me and help and how much, you know, definitely the torn loyalties that he has to the greater good and ultimately the, the, the greatest good, at least in the Jedi's eyes right now, which is getting Ventress to help him yeah. <laughs> kill Dooku. Like, yeah, that's tough. Cause it's one of those things where you start thinking about it, where you go, yeah, this is Clone Wars. It's really fun. There's a big, speed chase and more guys jumping around and holding on to speeders and doing all this but they catch him and give him to a crime syndicate that he's been stealing money to in the end and that's not going to end well and then his roadian partner yeah. and her child it's not going to end well and um yeah that's kind of what star wars kind of that's what it can do to you i think it there's always this undercurrent of these real world issues that they sometimes don't have to kind of throw at you because you just know already what's going on yeah well, and you know we're we're gonna get a little bit of the the Pike story here in a second, mm. but it it very much uh, brought to mind uh, the Martez sisters arc from the newest season of the Clone Wars, right? Where you know they were like the the Jedi chasing after Zero the Hut is what led to my parents being killed. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah, very much bringing it back to that that small scale of like, no, this is what the Jedi should have been worried about this whole time is taking care of the little people. And they, while they might think that that's what's happening, it's it's not in actuality going that way. So, yeah, really cool how 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 that all played out and the things that makes you think about. So yeah, we get Ventress's ship. It's called the Banshee. She just runs with the nickname and and you know makes it work. He kind of uh, Voss kind of walks through her kind of weapons, you know, payload and everything that she's got, and the ship's designed to hit hard and get away fast, which is very much true to her character. You know, she wants to you know get in pull the strike off and then bounce. She is trying to find a way to work with him. I love that she typically calls him the idiot, right? But she's like, you know, that might not do him justice. There's there's a lot more to this person. You know, he's obviously strong, he's obviously attractive, and there's there's a lot more to him that that can be uh, developed, right? But she doesn't know if she wants to do that because she's been consistently let down time and time again by people that she's worked with, right? Like Mother Talzin. Uh, kind of threw to the wolves a couple times, and then Dooku, you know, has obviously tried to kill her a couple times, and you know, her old master, you know, that was a whole thing that was recently um, done in the Dooku Jedi Lost uh, book, you know, we or uh, 
uh, audio drama. We get a lot of, of her little story there. And that's that wears on a person after a while, right? You've been let down so many times, you know, having another partner just sounds terrible. But she decides it's worth it. She's game to work with him. And Voss gets caught staring at her. And she's like, I don't mix business and pleasure. So stop it. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. And yeah, Voss needs to be better. And so chapter eight goes into Ventress just putting him through the ringer, right? Like she has, I think it's ridiculous. She has like a whole timesheet of, <laughs> of things that she needs to do, personal bests he needs to hit in the weight room. Like she's not playing around. Uh, what did you think of, of this? Um, you know, their, their opening dynamic now that they've committed to each other, you know, at least in, in this form and, and Ventress just, just absolutely starts wearing them out. Yeah, it makes sense. You know, they're going to be different sides of the same coin. One has to look after the other. She's just making sure that he's fit enough to <laughs> uh, to help her out on jobs and make sure that she gets back to the ship safely. I thought Chapter 7 was great. A little bit of, like, touch of sadness where, you know, we kind of start hearing about her past and we already yeah. know about her past. And it just kind of reminds you that the Jedi Council also knows these things most of them um and kind of just sees her as an asset and ends ends to the means and uh, means to an end sorry got that completely destroyed that but um yeah it's just it's really sad because i think deep down asajj is not a bad person and we'll you know we're already starting to see that right but just to see she's just really an asset that's it and that's all the jedi council kind of see her as and quinlan's i think moved past that already we, his eyes yeah. have, of course. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, it was, yeah, especially when he, he goes to kind of wrestler as well and he he thinks that he's going to have to pretend and go easy, but he gets put on his, you know, he gets put down without even yeah. having to pretend. <laughs> <laughs> right. He just goes in there thinking that's going to be easy, but he's clearly not the the stronger of the two or the better fighter at, the, at, that, at that point. Yeah, and... You know, you, you bring up, you know, how kind of sad it is to see you know, Ventress kind of reliving her past. I mean, she's she's been wounded for a long time. Yeah. And so that that tough exterior, you know, her her fighting style, the way that she goes in and, and collects bounties. Right. The the strike force, kind of the get in, get out. No questions asked is very much a result of her having these long lasting commitments been broken and her kind of reeling from that. So, of course, she's going to be extra strong. And yeah, Scott mentions uh, in the chat, you know, he's impressed at Voss's ability to train without using the force, right? <laughs> you're going up against a, a force sensitive. Um, you're trying to conceal your force sensitivity and he's still able to, you know, <laughs> bench personal bests. Um, I was like, you know, this is, this is wild. Um, <laughs> you give me, you give me a package of spaghetti noodles, right? And I'm like, I'm not doing anything with it. <laughs> and I was like, I need to be more like Voss here. But yeah, that's it. It's really, really cool to see um, them start to develop together uh, in the way that they do. Um, Ventress fights dirty, which Voss has an appreciation for, and he's like, "Oh, I'm actually learning things that you know I wouldn't probably learn inside the temple for one reason or another." And he appreciates, you know, getting to to showcase these things that he's learning from her, right? I think in, in part to stroke her ego a bit, but also to to build that trust and, and camaraderie there. There's a quick stint where, you know, 
we get they're gonna end up working with pirates Voss is having an absolute blast doing all this stuff I uh, thought it was interesting I can't remember in the Clone Wars did we see Ventress with blonde hair no I for don't, some reason I don't think so I don't remember it okay I think she she had a she had a helmet as a bounty hunter she had a, a some headgear that sounds right but I don't remember mm-hmm. seeing blonde hair I'm sure someone in the chat if can can kind of confirm or tell us otherwise yeah but i i I had to make note of it because i was like oh that would be extra like striking to for her you know with her kind of purple pink hue right and then to have this this blonde hair anyways uh she in talking about how she captures her bounties right she's like well i i do it one of two ways you know i can be you know subtle or i can give the whole thing and for some reason i can't i can't remember the, the wording that she used off the top of my head but she she shows him how sultry she can be and he's like yep it works <laughs> they uh yeah they they catch the bounty and they reflect on how good it feels or she reflects on how good it feels to work with somebody again you know it's an unqualified success and Voss is like hey let's drink to our accomplishments because we we need to do that and he's trying to get some more information out of her right and so they fish for these stories out of each other. Like, you know, Ventress has a story, but it's really messy and very broken. And Voss is like, yeah, a, a, a lot of things have happened to me. I've done a lot of things, but I haven't really done anything that would clarify as a story. Right. Like I never took any personal agency in any of that. And there's a question there of what's worse, like bad story, having a bad story or having no story at all. And that was very interesting. And I wanted to ask you, you know, what what did you think about about this, um, about Voss kind of being taken aback by the fact that, you know, a question that he asked is very much kind of rumbling within himself of, oh, I, I don't know that I like how how I feel about that. I kind of I felt really bad for him. It just shows that he was just kind of perhaps a, just a cog in the in the machine that is the Jedi where, you know, he's, yeah, he's walking through the Jedi Council giving high fives and being the cool guy, but like, he's just really just a cog in the machine of this organization and just a, a tool even on a, on a personal level. And it's like he's starting to kind of realize that. Um Again, the bad stories on no stories at all. I think that's a really hard one. Really, really hard one to answer. You know, bad stories can go from zero to a hundred real quick. Um, but it's, yes, really like some strong, (laughs) some strong thinking time is needed for Quinlan Voss, I think. And, and Asajj is, is having, a huge effect on him that I don't think he planned for at all. <laughs> yeah. And it, it definitely shows the, the opening of the growth that's going to take place, right? Like he's going to experience some pretty heavy doubt in, in this book. And so is she, and they're both going to grow and develop through that. Uh, but that it starts kind of here with under false pretenses. I mean, their, their whole thing is a false pretense. <laughs> their whole um, working together, boss's whole reason for being there. But how even those pretenses can bring about truth, I think, is is really interesting and really well done here. 
We get into chapter 9. Obi-Wan is undercover to meet with Voss. <laughs> I thought it was interesting that Voss was like, Kenobi never drinks the heavy stuff on a mission. And I was like, which means he does drink the heavy stuff when he's not on a mission, right? <laughs> that's, what, that's what I assumed. He's a bit of... <laughs> Bit of a drinker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which, I mean, I'd have to think if I had to put up with Mace Windu all day long, I probably would too, right? Ah, <laughs> oh, just sitting across from him. <laughs> probably got a hip flask uh, in his chair. <laughs> uh, well, they they kind of talk through things. You know, Kenobi's like, I'm glad it's going well, but, you know, we need to get a move on here. He eventually leaves and Voss meditates in the bar, which is, is really interesting that he's so accustomed to doing this, right? That he can basically sleep at the wheel <laughs> while he's in a bar. Um, he can kind of zone everything out, but still be aware of, of things that are going on immediately around him. But he gets really shaken by that. You know, he's like, I, yeah, going back to the stories thing, you know, he's kind of like, I, I don't know what, what I'm supposed to want, what my life is supposed to look like, if this was all really, you know, that's supposed to be there. But we're not supposed to think about that. I'm a Jedi. Comes out of it. it it's time to do my job. Dooku's got to go. He meets back up with Ventress, and they decide to head to Obadiah to see the Pikes. And they find out that Black Sun has taken Mark Krim's kids to Mustafar. The fact that the Pikes were involved was a pleasant surprise for me. You know, we got a lot of them in the Clone Wars, but I want more time with all of the seedy underbelly criminal organizations like give me more of it do you feel similarly where are you with this definitely i would i would love some crime syndicate storytelling with kira as the lead that's all i want bring her in she's the main character (laughs) yes sign me up yeah so it's just a you know make solo to happen yeah all for it but i want a kira story (laughs) (laughs) of her just you know paving the way and just completely owning the crime syndicate world but you're right this is just a little kind of like a oh here like a a bit of a tease of what it could possibly be if they were to do it in the long term right very much looking forward to that possibility because surely it's there sure surely surely there is some some author some showrunner that is developing this stuff behind the scenes and i want it (laughs) i I need it yesterday but yeah i thought it was cool we got to see the pikes and we got to see you know mark Krim be vulnerable you know because black sun has taken his kids like that's a that's a pretty big move and then to take them to mustafar is absolutely wild i thought it was cool that we got to go back there you know chapter 10 we we see Voss and ventress you know they get to this little shanty town that's there they rent out you know these lava fleas uh, they talk about how the local miners are having to wear masks due to the lava much like we're supposed to be wearing masks due to covid um sorry i had to put that out there please wear a mask <laughs> and they head to this bar called the last resort um what a name for a bar and they find the Falene who reveals where the pike hostages are um you know ventress does her thing um and they end up going to break them out um you know what did you think about returning to mustafar and getting some of the you know some of these characters and getting to develop that planet a little bit more always a fan of going to mustafar and a big fan of mustafar storytelling prior to revenge of the sith you know we see it during the mm-hmm. the clone wars arc uh, children of the force was it can't remember but yeah you know um yeah. palpatine's got his little laboratory there so big fan of seeing it prior to it 
being brought into the mainstream in episode three. Because <clears throat> it is a cool planet. Probably not the great, not the best planet to visit, but <laughs> <laughs> right. But I'm very interested about seeing what these lava fleas look like. A lava flea, <laughs> right? Uh, I'm imagining fairly ugly, <laughs> very bulbous. Is what I, I'm I'm picturing, which is a word I didn't think I was going to utter today. So there's that. Check that one off the list. I don't know. You did, um, you did say Mark Thompson has a smooth, buttery voice. So anything, really, buddy, now. But he does. Am I wrong, though? Am I wrong? <laughs> I don't think so. You know. You know. The KB. Yeah. The KBC um, stands Mark Thompson. <laughs> yes. Yes, that we do. Uh, maybe that's the next shirt. I don't know. We're we're probably giving Joxy all the shirt ideas. Um, I do want to see dark. I do want to see Darkly dancing on a shirt next. Um, I, I think that needs to be a thing, and I think the show hosts should get first tips. <laughs> but yeah, I I did I I did love we got to go to Mustafar. I'm excited to see how it plays out. You know, it, it has been probably three or more years since I've read this book. So I have, like, I remember little scenes, like little snippets and I'm excited to see how all of this plays out. And that is where we end this section. Quick last thing on Mustafar. You, know, you talk about loving to see Mustafar pre uh, revenge of the Sith. I'm also loving the Mustafar content post uh, Revenge of the Sith mm. post. Uh, you know, we get a lot of it in Vader Immortal for those of you that have that have done VR, uh, the virtual headsets and everything. Some really cool story stuff happened there. And then whenever we watched uh, the Rise of Skywalker, right? There's uh, a scene you know where Kylo is trying to find the Wayfinder, and there's like trees and stuff, and it's like kind of healed, yeah. <laughs> um, and it's like not all lava anymore. And you get all of that story in Vader Immortal, which is really cool. So I'm really interested to see kind of where Mustafar goes from this point forward, but that's side story, side quest. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I love this section in general. It's a really strong opening, you know, like we mentioned, you know, once we got past the first two chapters, it was just a fun ride. Um, like I was kind of disappointed when I stopped reading it, you know, when I had to stop for this section, cause I was like, I just want to keep going. Um, this is one that I feel mm -hmm. like, if I had a full day to, you know, I could knock it out in a day because it's it's so good. And I know we're going to get super heavy, you know, towards the end of the book. But like for right now, this is just a blast. So much fun to get into. Somehow my cat has opened my closet door. <laughs> that is fascinating. Bennett just wants to be the, co uh, wants to be the host. Bennett, Bennett does just want to be the host. Um, sorry, that's really funny. What, what, yeah, what did you think, you know, this first 10 chapters, you know, getting into, getting into this kind of new story for us, something that we haven't talked about, something that's, I feel like it, it's a, it's an underdog story, right? Like, I feel like it, not a lot of people talk about this book. Would you say that's fair? I think it's fair. And when they do talk about it, it tends to be with high praise. Yeah. Which you know, I think if there's one of those stories where it's kind of burgeoning on greatness, it's probably this one that you really just want people to, if they haven't read a lot of Star Wars, to jump straight in, like not straight in, but you know, pick this one up and give it a go. Yeah. If you love the Clone Wars series, like this mm. is a book for you, 100%. Um, yeah, this is this is definitely a a sleeper pick for sure. I think so. And it cool. doesn't doesn't surprise well, me at all if like people say that Dark Disciple is their favorite because I can see why. It is yeah great storytelling. 
Yeah. And this, you know, much like how Most Wanted made me want more Kira in Star Wars, this makes me already want Ventress more. I need more stories with her in them, right? I've really enjoyed um, this. I always found Ventress to be a little bit annoying in the Clone Wars when I watched it the first go around. But this book was like, oh, there's a lot more to her character here. And I don't know, just something about maybe it was the pacing or I don't know what it was, but it made me want more Ventress. Um, Even just this 10 chapters in, it's like, I I need more of this. And And I think she has started to kind of filter through a little bit. Not as much as we would like. You know, she popped up in... Clone Wars, Light and Dark, one of the, the story arc yeah. that, you know, is referenced mm-hmm. in this book, is brought up, is or it's seen from her point of view in that story. Um, we're seeing some, you know, we've got some massage merchandise from Black Series. I'm sure there's a Funko out there that probably costs like three grand to get these days. Um, probably. But, <laughs> you know, you can even get a, a Sars Ventress Force Effects lightsaber. So, you know. She's she's kind of breaking. I did not know that. Yeah, she's kind of breaking into that mainstream a little bit. And but you're right. I think we need some some new stories, not retellings, but I'd love some. You know, just even just her being a bounty hunter. You know, some more short short stories there. And you know, I think we could easily get a origin for Asajj from her time with you know Master, her Jedi Master, and all that. All the way to her, you know, working with Dooku. Might not be the the most happy of stories, but I think in an adult right. novel centric build, I think it'd be a really good read. Yeah. Well, and yeah, you're right. And, you know, if there's anything that Stories of Light and Dark did, if there's anything that Jedi Fallen Order did, it's we're definitely getting more history <clears throat> now of the Night Sisters, of, you know, Dathomir. Of all of that, and so if even if we don't get more ventures specifically in some form or fashion, we're at least getting more that we can piece together around her, right? Mm-hmm. That kind of helps to inform her story a bit more. Mm-hmm. So that's a welcome addition either way. Yeah, and even that, like we've so. you know we've seen with now with chaos rising, and you're right, the the final story in Light and Dark is that the Force is just it's more than the Jedi and the Sith. You know, there's all. Yep. All these different ways that we could go. And it's really interesting to see Sarge kind of, she was in all these different worlds. She was on the Night Sister side. She's worked, she's been in that Jedi Sith realm. Um, so I think she's kind of like a bridge between all these different force groups, even. Yeah. Yeah, she is, she is a force nexus into her, into herself. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. And she'll well, let you know. I think, <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, I think that is a great place to end it. Um, thank you to everybody in the chat for participating. Um, all the shenanigans that y'all put us through is fantastic. We love to read it all. Thanks for being a part of that. We'll be back next week to talk through Dark Disciple chapters 11 through 18. Um, in the meantime, please keep the conversation going in the community. Um, you can find me, Timothy, on Twitter and Discord at underscore T Guthrie. Adam is at DarkstarAU, and Patrick, who will be back next week, is on Discord at Mac11. If you want to help support the show, look up Dark Disciple on utini.com, click the Amazon link in the profile, and we'll get a few cents to help keep the lights on. We'll put links up for Dark Disciple in November's book, my book, Kenobi, in the show notes. 
If you'd like to help us out more directly, you can find us on Patreon or pick up some sweet new merch at utini.com forward slash merch. A special thank you to Sally and Chris Iverson on our Alliance High Command Patreon tier and Cheryl Bell, Alec Householder, and Patrick Ortiz on our Jedi High Council tier for their amazing support. And last but certainly not least, thank you to Adam for joining me today. Always a blast podcast with you, bud. You guys are the best. May the force be with you, everyone.